When COVID hit, a lot of people went out and got dogs. And what that led to is an absolute flooding in the dog industries, all kinds of dog industries. And dog professionals are getting overwhelmed with everything. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about how to be your dog professional's favorite client. So let's go ahead and talk about that next. guys welcome to the learn laugh bark podcast i am your host jake like always this podcast episode is brought to you by us here at ondogtrainingacademy.com online course driven website go ahead jump over to that website which is ondogtrainingacademy.com Hit the subscribe button, which is in the upper right-hand corner. Sign up for our email list, and you will get notifications when we have courses launching and any cool, exciting, and fun news that may come up anytime and whenever. So go ahead, check check that out, guys. And also, find us on Facebook, Learn, Laugh, Bark Podcast. We are on Facebook. Join up with us. Talk to us. Let's have some discussions. Uh, It's a new Facebook page, but... Let's get this thing rolling. Let's ask some questions. Let's uh, tell me what you guys want to hear for podcasts, and I will do my best to oblige. But like you guys heard in the intro, this episode is about how to be your dog professional's favorite client. Now, some of you might hear this and go, well, I don't care. That's cool. Some of you might hear this and say, well, I, I spend a lot of money with my client, so I'm probably their favorite. Okay. And... uh And so, but I just want to talk about kind of in my opinion, as a dog professional, in my opinion, I'm going to go through a few, it looks like four different industries and kind of talk about how can you become your, your favorite or their favorite, you know, how can you be that client? And, and uh, I just think this is super helpful because people, people think that, that spending money is what makes you their favorite. And, and to be honest with you, yeah, I mean, money's good. People like money, but a lot of people don't get into the dog training industry because they want to be these rich people. They get into it because of a passion for the craft, whatever it is they're doing, dog training, boarding, grooming, being a vet, whatever it might be. It's more passion than money. And so as much money as you might be spending, there's definitely some things you can do to help. Because I'll tell you, money ain't everything. And we've even turned down people in the past that were pretty decent spenders with us because either they or their dogs or the situation just didn't work and it wasn't great. So let's dive into how to be your dog professional's favorite. Now, I'm going to talk, the first couple I'll talk about are ones that I have personal experience with. And then the last two that I talk about will be ones that I don't have a lot of experience with. I know people who are in the industries. Um, and I do know uh, a few, I've talked to them about this stuff a little bit, but these are all my opinion. So uh, if you're a dog training professional or dog professional, I'm a training professional. If you're a dog professional and you're listening to this, you may have a list of your own that go well above mine, you may disagree and say, you know what, I just want the the people who are going to spend the most money with me. And that's cool. I can respect that. But I'm just going to dive into what I think will help put you above some of the other clients um, and and 
maybe talk about some of the benefits of that, at least from what I've personal experience. So let's first talk about trainers, <clears throat> dog trainers. Now, this could be boarding trains. This could be private lessons. This could be classes, um, anything like that. The first thing, and this sounds like a duh thing, but honestly, do your homework. If your trainer tells you, hey, this is what you need to work on this week, do your homework. Don't come to don't come to class. Well, do come to class, but it's it's not great when you come to class and you go, well, I didn't work on anything this week. I get it. Life gets in the way and I give passes to people all the time. I totally understand. Life gets in the way and sometimes, you know what? Your dog's training gets put on the back burner. I completely understand that. But if you have time, do it. Work your dog. Make time if you can. Because if we're working on stuff and in a lot of classes, the way they're, they're set up is they build on, and even my private lessons, they build on what happened the lesson before. And if you did nothing between the two lessons, we basically have to go back to what what we did the previous one and start over there. So not only is it wasting your time and your money, but it's also kind of frustrating and, and wasting our time. As a dog trainer, we want to see progress. We want to see dogs and, and handlers get better. And when we are giving you this information and you are not applying it and you are not working on it, you are not doing your homework, it can be a little bit frustrating <clears throat> for us. You know, like I said, we're not just in it for the money. That is for sure. Uh, the next one is don't, <clears throat> I don't want to say don't be afraid, but take advice. Take advice. We're, you're paying us for our advice. You're paying us to help train your dog. So look, if, if your dog is doing something we, and we say, hey, you, you probably should crate train your dog or put your dog away or feed him less or Lord knows whatever 17,000 other pieces of advice we could give you. Just because it doesn't mesh well with you, just because it doesn't it doesn't fit into your lifestyle, doesn't mean you shouldn't consider it and possibly try it. We're not giving advice out just to just to talk. We're looking at your dog, evaluating the situation, and saying this is what we think is going to be the best thing for you. So take advice. If you know, and I've had clients in the past, and I've actually already talked about one years and years and years ago uh, on a, on a previous episode where <clears throat> we had a client that kept coming to me every week and complaining her dog was getting into stuff in the house peeing in the house destroying things in the house and my and it was a young dog and my advice was crate her put her in a crate and she said no I don't want to I feel like it's so mean it's so cruel whatever so week after week it was five weeks of that right every week I was like you need to crate train this dog and she's like no I don't want to and what ended up happening is the dog ended up getting in the garbage and getting a chip bag stuck over her head and suffocating to death. And so as frustrating and as upset as I was, and I just wanted to like throw it back in her face, like, look, I told you, obviously I didn't because that's just not appropriate in the situation because of course she's sad. But had she have taken my advice and crate trained her dog, her dog would be old and crotchety right now. That about 10 years ago, this happened. That dog would be old, but you know what? That dog would still be alive, possibly. So take advice when a trainer gives you advice. At least consider it, but don't, don't not do it just because it's either A, hard, or B, you know, it, it, you just don't think it's going to work. Like, if, we, if we're giving you advice, we think it could possibly work. The next one, then, is be punctual. This sounds like a duh thing, but... Be punctual. If your class starts at a certain time, 
be there a little bit early. Don't be super early, though. Like, if you're showing up 20 minutes, 20, whatever it is, I mean, every trainer's different. If you're showing up really early, that can get a bit obnoxious as well. But, like, show up, give your dog, give enough time, maybe potty your dog, do something like that, and then um, get settled into class. But don't be late. When class starts, it's really disruptive when somebody comes in. Now, again, like I said, um, about doing homework. I understand life happens. Something happened at home. Your car wouldn't start. You couldn't get your dog loaded up. Whatever whatever happened, you're late. Cool. I understand that. Sometimes giving the trainer a heads up that you're going to be late is super helpful, but I understand sometimes life gets in the way. But if you're doing it week after week after week, the trainer is going to start to, to, to not be so thrilled about it. And so try to be punctual. Be punctual in your lessons. If your lesson's at 6 o'clock at night, be there. And be ready to go at 6 o'clock at night. Because if you show up right at 6, the clock is starting. For, for me, at least, the clock starts. And so you're wasting that you know four, five, six minutes where you have to potty your dog. You have to do this stuff. You have to get out of your car, whatever it might be. So just try to be punctual. Do your best to do it. I understand, like I said, life gets in the way. So don't don't comment and say, well, you know, don't don't give me sad stories or anything like that. I understand. I'm just saying, try to be punctual. Uh, and the and the last one that I'll kind of talk about in this one is be present, be there with with our cell phones. With now, you know, you've got your watch, your Apple watches and stuff. I mean, I watch people in classes, and it's it's amazing how many times people are checking their phone or they're looking at their Apple watch or whatever because they get a text message. Or they're talking to the person next to them. And, and like for us, like we've always had smaller classes. I kind of can hear what you're saying anyways. And if it doesn't pertain to what you're doing with your dog, it's a little frustrating when the trainer's starting to talk and, and you're not being present. Like be present. Listen, I'm not talking for me. I'm talking for you. I've recited a lot of, of what we're saying Many, many, many times. Your trainers have probably been doing this for a while, and what they're saying is something they've said all the time. So it's not like they're saying it for themselves. They're saying it for you to hear it and process it and apply it. So make sure you are 100% present. If that means turning your phone off or putting it on silent or doing something and just putting it in your purse or on the side or getting it away so you're not tempted, take your Apple Watch off. I know it's not going to count your steps or your blood pressure or your hemoglobin, I don't even know, whatever the heck the phone, the, the, the watches do now. But you know what? It's fine. It's worth it. It's fine. Get that stuff out of there so you can be present in the situation and listen and understand what we're saying. And then work on stuff. Like when I say, okay, we're going to work on stuff, work on stuff, you know? And, and honestly too, like it, it, it's, it sounds, all these things sound simple, but they're commonly, they're common mistakes that happen. So Last one, like I said, was just be present, be there, listen to what we're saying. Next next category I'm going to talk about, or next professional I'm going to talk about, is boarding. A lot of people do it. A lot of people bring their dogs in to be boarded. Um, and so what can you do to make sure that the wherever you're sending your dog is excited to see you, excited to see your dog? The first one is, in my opinion, kind of a big one. It's crate training. Crate train your dog. I understand that some people say, well, I don't have to. I don't have to with my dog. My dog is trustworthy. That's great. Your dog is trustworthy and comfortable being in your house. But what's going to happen when your dog then has to get confined to a crate or a kennel 
and doesn't have as much room, well, what's going to happen then? Is your dog going to freak out? Is your dog just going to go with the flow? I don't know. I don't know your dog. But do some crate training. And if you've crate trained your crate trained your dog in the past and your dog was good, reintroduce it periodically. Reintroduce it, um, you know, a month before you're ready to board. Be like, hey, you know what? We're going to start crating you in your kennel at night or we're going to crate you during the day just to kind of get you reacclimated to it. You know, and and depending, I mean, so there's different types of of boarding places. They're the ones where people do it out of their home, which is what we used to do. Um, there's also places that have big facilities with with kennels and runs and all that stuff. And and honestly, to me, it doesn't matter. It's more. I mean, even the crate training, in my opinion, is more about my dog than it is even about the 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 the, the staff there. If your dog is excessively barking and pacing and causing a fuss. Yes, it's annoying to the the workers there, but more so, it's a lot of stress on your dog. And we don't like to see dogs get stressed. We want dogs to be calm and happy. So do some crate training. Get them definitely uh, used to being kenneled again or seek a professional to maybe help you introduce a crate to your dog. Do something. The next thing then is like do a test run. I suggest this all the time for all of my students that we've had. I always would suggest, look, you need to contact wherever you want to board your dog. And if you don't know where to board your dog, do some research. Look at reviews, talk to people, whatever. Don't just pick the first place that can take your dog and then just send them there because, you know, there's always been some bad stories and there's, you know, not every boarding place is awesome. There's been some some stinkers for sure, but a lot of people, a lot of boarding places are pretty good. But Maybe make it do a test run. Say, hey, you know what? We're going to be gone or, or even if you're not going to be gone, just send them there for if they offer daycare, send them there for daycare. If your dog's social, send them there for daycare. Let the dog play for the day, get comfortable in the setting or say, you know what? We're going to do a test run overnight. Maybe you stay home, but you're just wanting to see how your dog does and help your dog get acclimated to it. And if they need to do this a couple times, a few times, great. If you're not, if you don't need your dog boarded for a couple years or you have a bunch of gaps between that, then maybe you just bring your dog there every once in a while to, to have a night off or something, you know, for you guys or whatever. It's just keeping the the place familiar to your dog and it's keeping the stress that could potentially come with being boarded in a new place also low. So test runs, do those for sure. Uh, the next one, and this should go to a training. This should probably go to, to any, this is underboarding, but honest to God, this should be every single dog professional you encounter if they have policies and if they want you if if they well most places have policies if they tell you to read the policies read them over even if you just read them over once because it really irks a lot of people when you have certain policies and rules and we don't do these policies just because we want to it's because we have to whether it's past experiences or stories that we've heard from others or whatever it might be, we have policies to protect us. And when clients don't read or are intentionally ignoring our policies, it can be annoying. It can be dangerous. It can be whatever it might be. Um, So read over the policies. I'm not going to go into what policies it could be. That's just, it could be a zillion different things. But check out what your boarding place or what your trainer or anything like that, check out what their policies are and make sure you're fitting into that. Again, this is a this is an episode about your being your dog professional's favorite. If you're following the rules 
and you're being an easy client because you know the rules, that helps a ton, an absolute ton. So remember that. And just like with the trainer, be punctual. When you board your dog, if you like, like when we did it, we would schedule times, everything like that. Um, but when you do it, when you set a time, be ready at that time. Don't set a time for like three o'clock and then show up at three thirty. Because you know what? Especially with the the current uh, the, the the current market or the current uh, situation right now, with how busy pet professionals are, they probably have an appointment at three thirty when yours is at three. So be punctual. If you show up late and you become kind of like it just becomes a hassle, you again, you just kind of it just kind of gets annoying and, and it definitely becomes an issue. So be punctual with that. Be punctual with every single thing you do in dog professional. I mean, you should just be punctual in life, I suppose, like being late to anything. I also feel like and a lot of trainers I talk to, a lot of just dog professionals I talk to. When you set an appointment time and then you just show up kind of whenever, whether it's early or late, it's a lot of them feel like it's a very disrespectful thing. You know, like you don't take their their job or their business seriously. At least you don't take them seriously enough or respect them enough to show up to a time that you've scheduled. So do your best. If you're going to be late or early, call or email or do something, get a hold of the place and just give them a heads up. Typically, if you do that, they're way, way, way more like happy and understanding than if you just show up early or especially show up late. So kind of keep that in mind. Next one we'll jump into is grooming. Now, grooming, I don't have personal experience working in, but I'm going to give you guys some tips on how to just kind of help things out. The first one is uh, if you have a young dog, socialize them. Well, if you have any dog, try to socialize them. Having a friendly dog is definitely nice. So if you can, make sure you put the time in to socialize the dog, work the dog, so that the dog is good with uh, with being handled and, and everything. Um, and that leads into the next one. Condition your dog to being touched. So don't just, because you bring your dog to a groomer, don't say, well, you know what, I don't have to do anything. I don't brush, I don't do anything with my dog. No, condition them. Condition them to their feet being touched, to their ears being looked at, to their mouth being touched. Um, brush them. Brush them at home. Brushing them at home is two different things. It helps because obviously it conditions the dog to being brushed and touched and not freaking out, but also it keeps their coat in decent condition and isn't matting up terribly. If the dog's super matted up, not only is it going to cost you more money, but it's also a ton more work for the groomer and it's a lot more hassle and stress and potentially pain for the dog as they're trying to work these mats out. So, you know, do your part as best you can to keep the dog in decent condition before it can go to the groomer. Don't just say, well, I bring my dog to the groomer, so that means I can do nothing with my dog. I think most people understand that, and most people don't do that, so it's a good thing. Uh, and then, just like what I said before, crate train. I think crate training your dog for grooming is super important because, you know, when your dog is drying off or when they're waiting to get picked up, your dog's probably in a crate. And if your dog is stressing out, well, that's no fun. And then what happens if your dog gets is such a stress bag about being in a kennel that it poops in there or pees in there? Well, they just kind of cleaned. So now what happens? Who pays for that re-cleaning? I don't know. I think it should be the people who didn't crate train their dog. But it's me. I don't know. So keep that stuff in mind. And then the last one I'll talk about here before we kind of throw a sum summary up on all this is your vet. Same can, Same things as a groomer. Conditioning them to being touched, 
your vet's not going to just sit there and look at the dog and never touch the dog. Your dog, your vet's going to get there and should get in there, get their hands on the dog, feel the dog. And if your dog is comfortable with it, it's a lot easier, depending on what you're in there for, to get answers if the dog is is willing. Willing to be touched, not freaking out, not afraid, whatever, but willing to be touched. So socializing is important. Conditioning them to being touched is important. Um, and honestly, though, if, if your dog isn't one of those, be proactive with this and put a muzzle on them. A vet's going to feel a lot more safe if the dog has a muzzle on than if the dog doesn't and seems very uncomfortable. So don't be afraid to do that. But training your dog, having a good set of obedience, I think, too, with the vet is always nice. Like with my dog, I can bring him to the vet. and He's not a fan of it, but I can bring him to the vet and I can tell him to stand. And when he stands, I can just either have treat on his face or I can kind of be holding his head a little bit and he can get his temperature taken. They can give him shots. No, he doesn't like it, but you know what? I don't like getting shots either, and I probably wouldn't like getting my temperature taken the way that they do it at the vet office. But that being said, you know, just take the time and train them. You know, a good stay, a good stand, you know. um, Manners are always nice, not jumping up, trying to lick or maul the, uh, the vet. That's always a positive thing. If the vet isn't stressed about your dog, they will spend more time, I feel with your dog. If they like your dog when there's, and the vet isn't stressed about it, they can focus on their game more. They can focus more on what they're doing and, 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 and figuring out what's wrong with your dog as opposed to just watching the dog and trying to do figure out what's wrong with your dog at the same time not getting bit and at the same time you're struggling keeping the dog under control, all that stuff. So definitely, definitely try to do that. And there's probably, like I said, there's probably a bunch of, of other things to go over, but This is kind of just a short list of it, but I will end with this thing. Be respectful to the the pet professionals. Right now, we are stressed. Right now, it is extremely busy. So understand if we can't get you in when you want to get in. Understand that, you know what, the vet's booked out a month or two or whatever. Understand your groomer is going to be super booked out. Understand the boarding place probably can't take your dog last second, especially over holidays. You know, classes are filling up really fast. So you need to be proactive and jump on this stuff ahead of time. Like if you if you know your dog needs to be groomed every six months or six weeks or six days, plan it out and schedule it well ahead of time. Get those dates locked in. Same with classes. Like lock your classes in. Do what you got to do. Um, all of this stuff. But just be respectful to them. Some of our best clients... And there's, I mean, we love a lot of the dogs that we've dealt with. Some of our best clients, that's what they do. They're really understanding that if we get busy, they really are just, they, they help, they go with the flow. Um, you know, they don't, maybe some of them don't spend a ton, a ton of money with us, but we don't care. If we have a client that we really like, personally, this is coming from personal, this isn't saying all boarding places, so don't expect everybody to be like this. But personally for us, if there's a client that we really, really like, we do our best to oblige what we can. If we can get the dog in, I mean, if we're full, we're full, but like we're more willing to go above and beyond for the clients that we, that, that have been really respectful and polite and understanding with us. Um, So please keep that in mind. Please just don't, some people go, I don't care. It's just a dog. And if you say that, that's not going to go well with us. We don't get into these fields 
because it's just a dog. We get into these fields because of the love of the dog or animals or whatever we're doing. Um, so just kind of kind of keep that stuff in mind. You know, I, I feel like if we all could just take a step and slow down, and we're kind of forced to right now with, with the way the, the COVID dog boom has happened where you're not going to be able to get your dogs in for certain things as fast as you would like. Just take your time. Be respectful. Understand we're doing everything we can, I promise. Um, but that's just a short list of some stuff, guys, to kind of be your dog professional's favorite person. Um I guess the one I didn't talk about, and it's the one I'll end with here because it's really obvious, is just don't be an asshole. (laughs) That's the simplest thing. Like I said, be respectful a second ago, but don't be super rude. Don't get upset with us if we can't if we can't take your dog if we can't do something. I've been really fortunate that we don't really run into that with a lot of the clients that we've dealt with. We have a lot of absolute awesome clients, but I have heard some stinker stories. I've heard clients that you know. Don't pay when they're supposed to pay. I've had cl- I've heard of clients that that are just straight up rude. Um, that's not going to bode well for you, you know. In that in in getting appointments booked in the future, you know, it's just not going to bode well. So so be respectful. Don't be an a hole. And uh, and hopefully you guys learned something from this today. Hopefully you guys can take something from this episode and apply it. Um, to your situation and what you're dealing with. And like I said, be your pet professional's favorite person. But guys, that's it for this week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Hopefully you guys learned some stuff. And like every single week we do this, we'll see you next time.